0: Thank you, Mason. That is a beautiful testimony of God's plan being overshadowing our finances. What a good testimony that is. Have you ever had a bad dream? I have. I've had a dream where I was chased. I don't remember the face of my pursuer, but this shadowy figure would chase me down the halls of, say, a school. And I would run down the hall, and I would be trying every door, trying to find a way of escape. I would duck into a classroom and underneath a desk, hoping that this bad guy wouldn't see me. And when he came in the door, I would duck out the back door, back into the hallway, in a panic, trying more doors, trying to find a place to escape. I would run into the the gymnasium and look around and see if there's a place where I might be able to hide, and slip underneath the, the bleachers moments later there he was crawling into the end of the bleachers trying through the framework trying to get to me in a panic terrified i began to crawl through the maze of the framework of the bleachers trying to get out and all of a sudden my belt loop gets hung up on a bolt i squirm trying to free myself and just as he's about to grab my ankle i wake up punching at the air with my heart beating out of my neck cold sweat I take a gasp of air and realize, oh, it's just a dream. We're about to see a time when Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had two dreams in one night. They disturbed him and they woke him out of his sleep. And in the morning, after a night of, of terribly, terribly disturbed sleep, he, he sought out answers. And the story is found in Genesis chapter 41. Remember from last week how Joseph was put into prison and he had the opportunity while he was there to interpret the dream of two of the king's officials who had made the king angry. The king's cupbearer and the chief baker were in the jail and they each had a dream that night. And they were looking for answers themselves. And Joseph was there and he interpreted the dreams and exactly the way the interpretation went was how things played out. The cupbearer was restored to his original position and the chief baker, well, he was hanged for his alleged crimes. So here Joseph is. The only thing that he re- he requested of the cupbearer was that please, please remember me before the king. Plead my case before the king. Well, two years go by, and here Joseph is sitting in prison, and the cupbearer is working out, just doing his job day by day next to the king. At the end of these full two years, Pharaoh has two dreams. These nightmares come up in the night, and they totally throw him. When the first dream he had, there were seven beautiful fat cows that come up out of the Nile, and they graze on the grasses in the meadow next to the river. Right after them, seven thin, ugly, malnourished cows come up out of the river and they stand next to the fat ones. Well, immediately, the thin cows begin to eat the fat ones. And when they're done, they look like they still hadn't eaten anything at all. Shocked, Pharaoh wakes up out of his dream. He sits up in bed, shakes it off a little bit, realizes it was just a dream, and decides to go back to sleep. As soon as he hits dream state again, he has another nightmare. A full healthy stalk of wheat stands up, it grows up out of the ground, and on the top of it seven full, beautiful heads of, of grain. And right next to it grows up a thin, scrawny, weak stalk of wheat, and on top of it is also seven heads. But these ones are are worthless and they're thin and and just blighted and scorched by the east wind. Well, these scorched, worthless heads begin to devour the healthy heads of grain. Totally dismayed, Pharaoh wakes up from his dream, and he's got these disturbing images in his, in his head that he just can't, he can't shake them for the rest of the night. So with this terrible night's sleep, first light dawns, and he decides, I've got to get answers. I've got to know what this is about. So he calls the wisest people in the land. And he even calls a few magicians who had interpreted dreams for him before. He brings them all together and he tells them the dream. And, and everyone was going, hmm, yeah, I got nothing. I don't know. I don't know what that means, Pharaoh. And here's the cupbearer standing next to the Pharaoh. He goes, uh, I think I know somebody. I think I know a guy. Remember when you threw me in jail a couple years ago? Yeah, you were mad? Well, while I was there, I had a dream in the baker. We both had dreams. And this guy interpreted them for us, and it turned out exactly the way he said. So we pick up in verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. Integrity is a matter of the heart. The first thing I want to key in on this passage is something that's not actually written into the scripture. After sitting in prison for for two full years waiting for his appeal, Joseph showed integrity in the management of his heart. He could have easily thrown the cupbearer under the bus. He could have tried to prop himself up for a promotion, but he didn't do that. He could have, he could have told Pharaoh, hey, didn't the cupbearer tell you about me? I could have been interpreting your dreams for a couple of years. Just think where you'd be today if I'd been in your service. Although this isn't the course that, Fer- that Joseph took in Pharaoh's court in trying to get ahead, many of us might have to admit that this might be the way that we would have chosen. We oftentimes get into a predicament where either I'm held responsible or someone else is. The matter might be something that I have no control over in the first place, but because the way circumstances played out, the finger's being pointed at me. I recently had a situation like this occur at work. Unrealistic expectations were being put upon me and pressure was being applied for me to complete work in a time that just was unreasonable. I pushed through and I tried to complete the work in the time frame that he asked, but when I was finished, the owner just wasn't satisfied with the finished product. Part of me wanted to say, well, you get what you get. You push me too hard and the quality of work suffered a little bit. I wrestled with this internally and If I was less of a man of integrity, I would have just left it right there and and moved on. But integrity forced me, although I wasn't happy about it, to go back, tear out the work that I would already done, and reinstall it using a much more expensive and labor-intensive process to make sure that the end product was better, to make sure that the end product was the best it possibly could be. A friend once told me, it doesn't matter how you start a job, that matters. It's how you finish that leaves a mark on your reputation. It cost me more, but I chose to finish well rather than leave a stain on my reputation for later. Now we look at Joseph. He's 30 years old now. He's been called out of jail and he's before the pharaoh. And he's been stewing on a couple of dreams that he had when he was 17. He knew that these dreams were from God. He knew that God was going to put him into a prominent status where even his brothers and his parents were going to give him honor. During those 13 years, Joseph never promoted himself. God always blessed Joseph. And those who had authority over Joseph saw that blessing And they put more of what they had in their control under Joseph's care so that, too, would be blessed through Joseph. At any point, Joseph could have usurped God's plan and tried to self-promote. And this would have been especially easy when Pharaoh propped up his ego. He says, no one else can interpret these dreams. But I heard it said of you that when you hear a dream... You can interpret it. He could have said, yep, I'm the guy. But he didn't do it. He understood that the posture of his heart was his responsibility. And Joseph knew that no amount of self-promoting was going to get him to the place where God had designed him to be. Integrity is demonstrated by a heart of humility. And not of self-promotion. Self-promotion is very short-sighted. Because all it has in mind is what's best for me. God is not only looking out for your best interest. But he's looking out for the best interest of everyone who's around you. So Joseph responded to Pharaoh's ego inflation. He said, I can't do it. But God can it's not necessarily what our capabilities are that matters. God looks at our heart. And if we are faithful with, God, with what God has placed into our lives, He will bless it. It may not look like what your dream was. It may not turn out the way you'd hoped it would. But if we remain humbly in His service and works faithfully for Him, He will promote us on the other side. Because it isn't, isn't it God's blessing that we're looking for in our lives anyway? Integrity is a matter of the heart. And integrity is demonstrated in our thinking. Verse 25 says, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It's one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten. And the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly established by God and, it, and God will do it soon. So Joseph interprets the dreams. He says, the two dreams are one. They have the same meaning. The seven fat cows, seven years of plenty, seven thin cows... Seven years of famine. And the famine is going to be so bad that you won't remember the good times. All of us had dreams. We all dream, and our kids have dreamt, dreamt dreams. Our little boys might dream about being a fireman or a policeman. They might dream about being some hero. Our little girls might dream about being a princess with that fancy little tiara. Some people lose hope in dreaming, and they quit dreaming early on, and they quit looking and setting higher goals for their lives. We all need to realize that we all have events that come up in our lives that require us to interpret them in light of some standard of truth. Not everything that we hear about ourselves is actually true. The enemy wants nothing more than to get us to believe a lie about ourselves. Because if we actually believe that lie, we will never allow ourselves to grow into the person that God has designed us to be. In order for us to live out our God-given design, we have to get a good grounding on truth. We have to know what the truth is. And the Bible tells us that if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. So how do we find actual truth? We begin by looking into the Bible. The Bible is God's authoritative, true, authentic word. And every word in it is absolutely true. If we read it, we will find direction for our lives. We need to pray. Prayer is conversation with God. And if we learn how to hear His voice... We can be certain that we will get guidance and direction for our lives. We need to hang out with other believers. The Bible tells us just as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. I am made stronger by rubbing shoulders with you, and you are made stronger by rubbing shoulders with me. Together, we are stronger in our walk of faith than any one of us could be individually. There's another factor here that we cannot diminish. How was it that Joseph knew that the interpretation of the dreams were from God? Because there were other people in Pharaoh's court who were used to interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. He had the wise men, he had the magicians, they came in often. They were the first people Pharaoh called. But they were all they got nothing. They had no idea what the meaning of those dreams were. But Joseph, he had insight that was granted from God. And we too have insight into what God is saying because we have the Holy Spirit who is resident within our lives who speaks God's truth into our hearts. With a good grounding on truth, we can take the events of our lives and translate them according to what is really true rather than our own short-sighted perception. Someone tells you you're not good enough. Well, you can either believe that lie, or you can choose to believe what God says about you. Romans five eight tells us that God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still messed up, while we while we didn't deserve it, Christ died for us. Maybe you feel like an outsider. Maybe you feel like you don't belong. Maybe you feel like you don't have a place. Well, that too is a lie. Because if we really have received the saving work of Jesus Christ into our lives, then Ephesians 1 6 says that you are accepted in the beloved. Maybe you feel beaten down all the time, like you can never get ahead. Like, every, every good thing in your life has been taken away. Another lie. Romans 8.37 says, You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. You do not have to live beaten down. Because the Word of God tells us that greater is He who lives in us than he who is in the world. There is no end to the lies and the difficulties that, will, that life will throw at us. What makes a difference is how we filter what comes into our lives. Do we look through the lens of our natural eyes and try to plod on with our own natural abilities and our skills? Or do we filter everything that we encounter through the truth of what God says and begin to live according to His reality? Yes, integrity is demonstrated by what we think. But integrity is also demonstrated by what we do. So Joseph came up with a plan. Joseph basically said to the king, Well, in light of what we know God has said, this is what I would do. So let's hear his plan. In verse 33, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land and to take a fifth of the harvest of grain in, of Egypt during the seven years of abundance, that they should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. Everyone around Joseph was amazed. They were blown away at his discernment and the wise plan. Pharaoh was so impressed that he gave Joseph the greatest promotion of his life and put him second in command in the whole country of Egypt. And just like the pattern of the rest of his life, Joseph remained faithful with whatever that God had put in front of him. He considered everything that he... had in front of him as an opportunity to serve God. Joseph always kept his eyes on God. He knew that his life was more than a role. His life was more than a job. He knew that everything that he had in front of him was an opportunity to grow and to serve God faithfully with every aspect of his life. Joseph did not live one way at church and another way at work. He understood that the entirety of his life included action, not just what he believed and not just what he understood. Much the same, we must take the transformation of our hearts and the renewal of our minds, and we have to do something with it. When we're tempted to do things the easy way, or cut corners in order to get ahead. The integrity of our heart should translate into the integrity of our hands, and we should keep our standards higher. When we come into church and receive all this wonderful, good teaching week after week, and we go to these classes and we, we get built up and we begin to understand the, the truths of the Word of God more, we have a choice. Do I just take what I've been receiving and apply it to myself and grow internally? Or do I take what I have been learning and use it to benefit those who are around me? Now, there's nothing wrong with coming in and getting learning and getting understanding and getting a a better grounding on the truth of the Word of God. And to be sure, that is part of what a disciple is. But being a disciple is much more than that. Being a disciple... Means that we do something with what we're learning because we are only as much of a disciple as we are willing to take the truths that we have been taught and put them into practice. In some ways, I can sympathize with the struggles of Joseph. When I was 15, I had the chance to go on a missions trip for a summer. I went on that trip, and God did an amazing work in my life. He changed my thinking. He actually caused me to love ministry. I knew that God's call on my life was irrevocable. I knew that God was calling me into full-time service of Him. So when I graduated from high school, I took the next logical step. I went to to Bible school, and I got a degree in missions. My 10-year plan was to gain ministry experience here in the States, and then go as a missionary and be planted on some foreign soil in some foreign land. My 10-year plan was good in my own mind. My dream, much like Joseph's, however, seemed to be derailed when what I thought was going to happen was suddenly taken away my ministry position the vocational ministry that i was in was was taken away and i had to take work as a carpenter and i went to work in the construction field the fast track of ministry that i thought i was on turned into a slow journey of preparation my dream had changed at first I thought this was going to be temporary and I would be back on track in the vocational ministry pretty soon. Nowhere did I think that I would spend most of my ministry in mostly areas where I was volunteering. What was even more humbling, God took my wife, who had no apprehension, no desire to become A a vocational minister and put her on staff here at our church. So here I am, volunteering in ministry one year, two years, 10 years, 14 years, all while waiting, waiting, waiting for God to restore the dream. I have to admit that there were times where I lost hope that my ministry dreams would ever be realized. At one point, I even decided to take charge of my own life and to put things into my own hand and change vocations. I became a cop. Imagine me arresting a suspect. Yeah, it it did happen. (laughs) Reading their rights. You have the right to remain in sin. If you choose to do so, you will go straight to hell. You cannot afford the penalty of your sin, and Jesus, your attorney, has paid the price for you, and you can have eternal life. Yeah. Well, needless to say, it wasn't very long before I discovered that I wasn't designed to be a cop. So here I am, back in waiting mode. Waiting for God to restore the dream that he had placed in my life. And as I waited, the only thing that I knew how to do was to continue to serve. Serve faithfully in whatever area that God had put into my life. I finally surrendered to the idea that maybe maybe vocational ministry wasn't what I was called to. Maybe I was called to serve God in primarily volunteer capacities. So, when I came to that, when I decided that that may be the place, I decided to quit waiting. And then I began to serve in contentment. Although I tried to serve in contentment, I wasn't always content, because in my heart, I still wanted the dream realized. So sometimes I would push my way and try and push myself into a place of ministry that I wasn't yet prepared for. I would try to self-promote and... Pretty soon I realized that no amount of pushing would put me into the place where God had designed me to be. So a couple of years ago, just when I'm about to give up on my dream again, Pastor Mike comes up and he, he comes up to me and he asks, Is, Have you thought about planting a church? Well, at that point in my life, Shannon and I had talked about it and we just didn't have peace. He says, Well, keep praying. Over the next couple of years, my wife and I discovered that being faithful in life meant that we stay planted and grounded where God has put us and not try to push ourselves into something else. So this past January, my wife and I got a new dream. Now 21 years after graduating from college, here I am. We're getting ready to plant a church across town in Hilliard. It's not some foreign soil overseas. But some might say Hilliard is its own foreign soil. (laughs) But this is the land that God has called us to penetrate. This is the land that God has called us to extend the kingdom of God. And it was only through God's preparation and supportive guidance that we have received all along the way that makes this even possible. I've personally wrestled with integrity. Not to say that I've got this integrity thing all figured out, because I don't. The reality is, is that this is an area that needs constant attention. Because if I don't give it constant attention, my flesh always wants its way. In review, integrity is a matter of the heart. Are we going to be people who continually push our own way or are we going to seek after God's blessing by sticking to His plan the way He laid it out for us? Integrity is demonstrated in our thinking. How we interpret the events of our lives and which voice we listen to in determining the course of our life. Are we going to listen to God? Or are we going to listen to our own misguided perception? Finally, we have to know that integrity is demonstrated by what we do. Folks, the reality is most of us don't have problems knowing what we should be doing. The disconnect happens somewhere between knowing what to do and actually doing it. So where in your life have you been challenged by integrity? Is God asking you to make some changes in your own life? Are you willing to say yes to your next step of faith? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is true and we can trust it with the course of our lives. When When we are presented with times where we may want to push our own agenda, help us to turn our eyes away from ourselves and look to you who is really the one who has our best interest in mind. In areas where we each struggle with integrity, Help us to understand who we are in you and live according to that standard, even if it might be less popular. We will trust you with the promotion of our lives, knowing that following your plan for our lives might not be the way we might have chosen for ourselves, but it's far better than what we might have done anyway. Be with us this week as we take your word out and live it in front of those amongst whom we live and work.